गुड इवनिंग फ्रेंड्स एंड वेलकम टू दिस अदर शो ऑफ मिरर विजडम रिफ्लेक्टेड एज यू नो इन दिस प्रोग्राम ऑफ आवर्स आई गेट अ चांस टू रिफ्लेक्ट ग्रेट पीपल हुव अचीव अ लॉर्ड इन दे लाइफ रिफ्लेक्ट द विजडम दैट दे हैव एंड आई एक्ट लाइक अ मिरर टू रिफ्लेक्ट द विजडम दैट दे हैव कलेक्टेड ओवर नंबर ऑफ ईयर्स एंड ऑल ऑफ देम आर वेरी अकम्पलिश्ड वेरी सीनियर doing very well and their value is not like bitcoin which deteriorates like 40% in one day they are like gold standards in their own industry they have a say in their matter they have a mind of their own and what they say matters each word they say matters well friends pandemic has brought in a lot of changes in our life we have started introspecting our own relations with our own self in the mirror with our family with our staff with our colleagues in the office a lot of things have changed but one of the things that i realized is that in that cramped up space wherein you know work from home and school from home and office from home and entertainment at home has brought in quite a few people a lot together they've realized the value of a good family and all those virtues which we missed out in the urban life but on the other hand the bitter part of the story is that a lot of insecurity frustration a lot of anger pent up resentment all that and with lack of exercise lack of meeting people loss of the social fabric which has happened a lot of things have changed and given rise to a lot of resentment in the society i was amazed to read that newspaper story last week in times of india wherein it was mentioned that in kaf parade in one of the slums one small boy 18 year old or 17 year old child beat up his mother she used to work in a house and used to get the leftovers every day in the form of chocolates and sweets and cakes and pastries but because of the pandemic she lost her job and they could no longer afford to get pastries now how interesting this poor thing was being beaten up by the husband because she not making money and she was being beaten up by the son who was a teenager and wanted to have all the luxuries of life now this is how sad it has been in that household and so also between a lot of couples between children in fact a few areas of germany started working because and they started the schooling because the parents started hitting their children now this is very interesting what is happening it's like the big boss's house everybody by their own individuals are extremely good human beings but when put together in a mess like that and with lack of resources everybody changes and this is why we wanted to discuss what's happening in the fabric of society we have a very accomplished person with us ms runalini deshmukh advocate she is an extremely accomplished person she graduated in economics and has done her masters in law she is a renowned lawyer with professional experience in the field of family law for over two decades people heard of uh, corporate law criminal but family law is something so very important she is an alumni of the st javier's college and the government glc mumbai and she's done llm from the university of mumbai in commercial law and matrimonial law i'm sure when she started practice she must be one of the first founders in the field like an elon musk and uh, uh mark zuckerberg who started a new trend in the society and they are the ones who made from 0 to 1 In the past Prunalini has been a professor of constitutional law at the KC College 
and taught postgraduate students as a visiting faculty in the Department of Law. She belongs to a very important family of jurists and her father, late Dr. T.K. Tope, was a constitutional expert and professor of constitutional law who later rose to become the vice chancellor of the Mumbai University. So there is a great pedigree she comes from. She's been invited to judge various prestigious moot court programs. And for the safety of women and children, she's also been invited as an expert in a lot of multinational companies to deal with sexual harassment cases at workplace. She often participates and has addressed domestic and international conferences on issues relating to family law and structuring of wealth and alimony issues. Now, something very important to understand how to structure that. Runalini strongly believes in gender justice and extremely sensitive about injustice and malpractice which actively propagating gender inequality. She recently addressed an international conference on wealth planning for global Indian families in Dubai. And she has authored a book on divorce, Breaking Up Your Step-by-Step -step Guide to Getting Divorced, published by Penguin. Child custody, what happens in reference to marriage, divorce. Now, she has dealt with cross-border cases relating to marriages across countries. She's been called for a legal opinion in foreign courts also on the Indian Marriage Act, especially the Hindu Marriage Act of 1955. She's been in the Boston court in 2007-8, 2015-16 in the New York court, then Tampa, Florida, and she's been expert legal opinion in the courts in Dubai also. In fact, she has traveled to multilaterally everywhere to address multiple institutions. She's addressed the Columbia University students at South Asian Millennial Conference on Sexual and Domestic Violence in South Asia in February 2016. Friends, let me have the pleasure of inviting a very accomplished advocate, Brunali Deshmukh. Thank you, ma'am, for being with us this time. Thank you so much for inviting me and making me a part of this lovely evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's very interesting time that we are finding right now. A lot of let's start with the first thing, a frank thing. Since you are into this, a lot of matrimonial disputes have come up during uh, COVID times. Is it true? Uh, so I think first let me congratulate you for having this kind of uh, discussions, which I have read the profile and you've done on various subjects, on various personalities to introduce various nuances what are there in the society and things that matter to us as individuals. I think it's a great job that you're doing and I think you really need to be lauded for that. Number one. Number two is, uh, more importantly, uh, of course, this pandemic has given us a different outlook completely. I mean, this was something unheard of, unseen, unknown, and we are now facing whatever. Right, right now, the way we are interacting, I mean, this is a new normal, right? We don't meet each other. We just see, say hi to each other on the So having said this, uh, I would say that, yes, there has been a number of cases that have surged during these periods because these have been completely unprecedented times. And I'm not talking about the virus. I'm not talking about the havoc that has created in the medical field in terms of health and all you guys are there. You know it day in and day out what happens. I'm talking about the impact that it's having the psychological, the emotional, the mental impact that it is happening on people who may not be necessarily affected by the virus, thankfully. But the aftermath of that, which is a lockdown and which is working from home and uh, sort of, you know, not able to go out anywhere, that has had a long-term effects on quite a few, I would not say all of them, quite a few families. Now, for example, I would wonder 
that if two professionals who are very busy and otherwise say 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 five ten years of their life they're so busy some both of them leave by eight thirty nine the only time they get is a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday evening would be usually excited to be together stuck at home compulsorily because you have to work from home I'm talking about two working professionals and probably giving them a better bonding time and to catch up on certain things which they were unable to do so because there was a big rush 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 otherwise. In some cases, it has happened. But in some cases, unfortunately, too much of each other has really got onto each other. And it has led to a lot of disputes. It has led to a lot of conflicts. And it could be a, a smallest of the thing could be an irritant. And that blow up into a volcano, into larger things, to the extent that somebody has to rush to the police or somebody has to rush to the court or rather to the lawyer to get these things which are done. So yes, there have been a lot of cases of conflicts, cases of some cases of violence, domestic violence in some cases. There have been some cases where, I'll tell you an example. Uh, we have these cases of child custody and visitation uh, in which court cases are pending in the court. The, let's say the non-custodial father has to meet the child once a month or uh, sorry, once a week or once or twice a week and things which are there. Now lockdown, you can't go to each other's place or to some other place. There are so many such cases which are happening and they're not talking about the new cases, but because of the lockdown, what has happened that they have been unable to meet their child. And there's been a huge gap between the child and the non-custodial parent. The courts have advocated, even the Supreme Court has said on several occasions, and you must have read in the papers also, that let's use this electronic media, at least let's have virtual visitation rights for the non-custodial parent. Let the father and the child speak to each other, say hi to each other, father mostly are there, but say hi to each other, talk to each other, find out what he's, can he just see how his child is doing? Is he, is he doing well? So those cases have been also affected. So I would not say only divorce cases. It's a, it's a, a whole gamut of all these relationship-based things which are which have surged because of these pandemic during these pandemic times. I would say so. If I, if I was to say something very interesting, which has happened with the younger generation, it's it's a lot of expectation game which has increased. You know, it's like the Yashraj movie. They all see flowers and they think they lived happily ever after. The amount of tolerance has gone down and the game of expectation has increased phenomenally. Is that true? You know, it's no longer the Dena Bank, more of Lena Bank, which has happened. And each spouse expects the other one to do everything. And each one is earning well, you know, unlike the old olden days when, you know, each spouse, uh, some the lady was dependent always on the financial needs and she had to be taken care of. Today, it's been vice versa. And if both are earning and each one, each one wants equal rights, the the threatening fabric of the society that I see right now is a lot of them don't want to have children. A lot of them don't want to get married or, you know, they, they, they are not ready to take responsibility. Also, some of them don't want to have children, not for anything else, but the lack of responsibility that people have started taking. Is there something that you feel is being seen? You know, everybody, the disputes are because you didn't do this for me. This is what I should have done. This is, you know, this is the kind of expectation game. We guys always compromised. We always thought that, no, it, you have to nurture a relationship and give more. What do you see in the younger generation? You know, for them, divorce is not something very uncommon. Well, so there are uh, quite a few issues that you raised in this question, and I would like to answer them. Uh, yes, 
uh, is there a lack of tolerance and that's uh, uh, in the current marriages that is happening say two years five years ten years like down the line number one number two is there a lack or an initiative to get married first in the first place amongst the youngsters are they opting for alternates like the living relationships and after doing all these things what's the reality that we as we as a society see so if i go step by step if it is there then yes this young generation if i may call so say which is our kids age now this generation is obviously they are on a high octane kind of thing they are go getters they want to achieve they feel they have very little time and they want to get everything which is there and anything that comes in the way has to be just sidelined so that's the approach that they have not realizing some of them and i i don't want to make a blanket statement or a sweeping statement not realizing that your career goals your your achievements you being a go getter great you must do that but there is something that you need to balance and harmonize in your life which is your personal relation your relationships and those relationships are not necessarily only with your spouse or your partner it could be with your siblings it could be with your family with your parents i mean it could be with your neighbors it could be with the larger society which is there so today's youth has become exceedingly focused good not bad but it like blinkers and since because of these blinkers is unable to see beyond that again i'm saying i'm not making a sweeping statement because there are some who also do it whether the people are opting for um, alternate relationships like a living relationship rather than a standard cliched age old institution of marriage yes and today as i as um, we are aware or maybe some of us are not aware that today the law also recognizes a living relationship as a valid relationship or a legal relationship and i'll tell you what i mean by legal relationship what used to happen is earlier that people who were have one in a living relationship were by the society looked down upon and i'm talking about say 10 15 years back were looked down upon you can't live with a man without a marriage i mean that kind of a situation was there also the person had no rights basically the women so we courts faced a lot of situations where a woman would come to the court and say that i was with this man for 5 years uh, he was taking care of me now all of a sudden he's just stopped providing for me and you're talking about women who needed maintenance and then the husband is called to the court and the husband says that uh, we are in a living relationship i have no obligation she chose to be with me and now i cannot do it so now in the year 2005 the protection of women under the domestic violence act was enacted by the court uh, by the legislation wherein the women who are not who are not only wives daughters mothers mothers in law or you know sisters in law etc but even a woman who is in a living relationship with a man would have the same protection and some certain rights as if she was married to him so that kind of a legal sanctity has been given but i must share this with you which i found very strange but it's a judgment of a high court you can't uh, of a court you can't really say something you must have read the punjab and haryana court i think it was just last week in one of the judgments has said that domestic living relationships are not morally and ethically correct and cannot be encouraged now in today's times to say such things 
when the courts have kind of recognized that there could be a parallel relationship was rather strange. But then that's how the society views all these things are there. And thirdly, and more importantly, yes, today there is very little investment in the relationship. We are all interested in investing our wealth in stocks and bonds and mutual funds and what is this? And I come to, I come to you, suppose you are a wealth manager. What do I do? How will my money multiply? As you said, bitcoins. Should I do this? Should I do that? But also equally important is to invest in a relationship because it's like a stock market, they say, that you have to look at the long-term effects. You don't want to do short-day trading. You want to have long-term effects. And that is why investing your emotions, your, your sincerity, your fidelity, and your responsibilities and duties in a relationship is equally important for you to bear the fruit that you get the same in return. So somewhere, somewhere that is we are missing or we've lost, or some of them have lost, which is there. Uh, I must tell you one interesting thing. And I, I, I quote this very often in a lot of my speeches. So uh, I, if some, some of you may have heard it before, pardon me, but I feel it's very important for me to share this for a very simple reason. That is, yes, a young couple had come to me in five, six years back and they were just sitting with me and asking me a whole lot of questions. What happens? And why does divorce, why do divorces happen? And what are the reasons? Why is it going on? I said, what's all this going on? So then after some 10 minutes of a barrage of questions from them and without giving me a chance to answer, I just asked them, why are you asking so many questions in one breath? Is it about your friend, your relative, blah, blah, blah. So they said, no, 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 no. We are in love. We want to get married. We intend to have a long-term relationship. Both very highly educated, well-groomed people. We intend to get married. We do want to have a long-term relationship because I know, I'm sure you as a lawyer must be knowing that our age things are there. So we wanted to know from someone like you who's dealt with so many cases that what are the do's and the don'ts and what would you say are the warning bells? Or what would you say are the things that, oh, 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 let's stop here. Let's not go beyond this, that you need to say. So we discussed and we had all these things. And I was very happy about the fact that somebody is now thinking about not how am I going to have a prenuptial agreement? How will I save my assets? How will I have to distribute my assets? But somebody is thinking about how do I work on the relationship? And not going to a counselor, not going to a therapist or something who deals with all this. But to going with a person who deals exactly to the opposite, I mean, sort of sorry to say, but to separate or divorce people, to understand from that professional what the things are. So I think this is a combination of all that, why there is a rise generally in the number of divorces and surely more so during, say, from for the last year, year over a year, I would say. So like any plant, even the mango tree has to be nurtured for a long time before it starts giving mangoes. And everybody now is short-sighted, extremely short-sighted. And let's invest in relationships now, Doc. Yeah. Now, yeah, we're all investing money in our stocks. Let's invest in relationships. You know, they that are, that includes like, your friends, relatives, parents, yeah, spouses. Yeah, brothers, it's not relationships. It could be all relationships. Yeah. Tell me about this beautiful, uh, the famous Bill and Melinda Gates. How much of this is true and what is the Jeff Bezos thing, you know? Was it wealth management? Was it a kind of a scenario? And this grey hair and grey those grey zones, something very interesting across the world that everybody been talking about. Yeah. So I I would say there have been a number of or, or there's, there's been a search 
even in the great divorces. Now, what is a great divorce? Now, earlier things were not there. Because I'll tell you how the society has also evolved. And I, I think that's where I, I've, I've always asked a question. Does the law keep pace with the society or the society keeps pace with the law? I think the law keeps pace with the society. The, the way the society... The, criminal, the criminals are always one step ahead of uh, of the police, you know, generally speaking. Not, not only criminals, but the way everything evolves, that's how the law also evolves. Like you, I told you about the Domestic Act also. It came out of what the social fiber, uh, sorry, fabric of the uh, society was. So coming to these great divorces, earlier it was unheard of. Because what would happen is, you've spent 25 years together, you spent 30 years together. Now what are you going to do? Just leave your life. Unless there is absolutely physical assault and there is, you know, extreme cases where it's dangerous for you to live. You know, it's okay. We can pull it on for some time. I, I'll give a very interesting case. A lady came to me. She was in her 70, late 70s, around 78. Can you imagine she came to me? And so I'm talking the initial years of my, wow. uh, first five years of my uh, career. So wow. it must be around 15 years back if I'm talking. She came to me, and a very typical middle-class Maharashtrian lady, she came to me. And she told, she started speaking to me in Marathi. And she told me, this is what it is, and I want a divorce from my husband. So I had a look at her, and I said, oh, I thought maybe she came for her daughter or you know, some relative, well-spoken. But not very educated in that sense. No, no, but that's not a qualification. No, degrees are not education, but I'm just saying that. So I, I asked her, I started speaking to her in Marathi and I said, what is your age? First thing I asked her. So she said, I'm around 77. In two months, I'll be 78. Your husband? So she said, he's 80. I said, how many years you've been married? So she's around 45, 50, whatever that thing was. So I asked her, I said, why now? What is it? So she said, why not? I said, surely, why not? But I mean, I, I, will, I will do what you want because I'm doing the instruction. But I need to understand from you what it is. So she said, can I tell you something? Now you have to listen to me for my story for the, for the next 45 minutes. I said, sure. She said, I got married at the age of 20, 19, 20, or just about that. The word. But I was not happy in my marriage right after first two years of marriage. My husband treated me very shabbily. He humiliated me. I came from a very poor background. So there was no money that was brought in. And a whole lot of issues. I suffered. I suffered. Where do I go back? So many years back. How can I go back to my parents? And they'll say, what are you doing? You can't come back. Then I said, okay. Then I then I conceived. Then my child was born. Then I devoted myself in the child. And I just sidelined that. He kept on doing the way he kept on doing. I kept on doing. Then my child grew up. And then he grew up. And then I said, now he's now 8 or 10. I think now I should take a divorce. But then I said, no, no, no. He has to do his school, college, education, marriage, their children. It just went on. And I didn't realize the time has just gone by. Me adjusting to everything, and I have never looked at myself. Today, I have a grandchild who's around, say, 10 years of age, she said. I'm happy. My, my son, my daughter, they are doing well. Now I want to lead my life. And don't you think I want, I deserve that? So I said, but what will you do? Today, you're 78. Tomorrow, you are unwell. Something happened. I'll handle myself. I can take care, better care of myself than what went. This woman got her divorce. And I did it for her, so I can tell you with authority. It was a it was a great effort I had to take to convince her husband. I didn't want to go to court. Take a 78-year-old and 80-year-old to court, though we have some of them coming, to convince them to give her money, to give her place. They were not very well off, but whatever they could. And that she could live separately. 
And she said that if you give me that, then I will not give you the divorce. So the husband's, sorry to say, no, no male bashing. Husband's ego was too strong. My wife can't reject me. My wife can't throw me out. So he said, no divorce, but I'll give you money. You stay separately. And then there's no, no connection between us. But you will die as my wife. And, and she with, with great reluctance heard this. Now you tell me, what do you call this? Lack of tolerance? Lack of adjustment? And at the end of it, what? So I think we can't really, really say what it is. Each facts and circumstances of the case do differ. And I think rightly so. So we have to take, as you doctors say, symptomatic treatment. Depending on the symptoms of the relationship, we have to... But this case yeah. which you mentioned, ma'am, largely yeah. echoes a big fabric of this society where the husband was a drunkard in villages and every which way. And nobody really took the effort to get it over in life. They went on because family went on and children and all that and it just got totally boomerang their life. So I appreciate anybody at any given point of time have a right to have their own life. But with respect to the younger generation and these uh, areas where people are, are the younger generation taking this divorce as uh, a light, very lightly that to get together and, and you know, leave each other very easily. They the responsibility before understanding because there is no protocol, no manual that there is there how to lead a life post marriage. And there's no manual of how to grow, how to grow your children. So what do you think? Is the intolerance level pretty much high in the younger generation? And a little more on the prenuptial arrangement that, that is coming up like the Western society. How much are you for it? So there are two parts of it. As far as the younger generation are concerned, as I said earlier also, I really don't want to make a, a sweeping statement. But we do see a number of cases where there is lack of tolerance between them. Uh, there are various issues. Now, when I say tolerance, it is not only tolerance in terms of accepting each other. But this tolerance could be, in, if, if I'm feeling completely emotionally a vacuum in my life, I want to really take a call. That do I want to lead the rest of my life like this? And so I'm not supporting what they're doing. I'm sure they must learn, on their, uh, learn from their mistakes. They must work on it. But can, you, can I tell you, I've, I've spoken to a lot of counsellors who do therapy counselling and marriage counselling and couple counselling. And they have all, all told me, and we discussed this informally because it's a common uh, sort of, you know, thing we have. And they say that one thing that you should never expect is for a person to change. The moment that expectation comes in, that is where you have to learn, I will A, ignore. I will, suppose, very simple example. A guy comes and throws his wet towel on the bed. Someone with an OCD will just freak out. How can you do that? It's so stupid. It's so it's such an irritant. Okay. So there are two ways you can react to it. You either pick up the towel and keep it on the, on the rack where it's supposed to be there. Or you tell him, please do it. Or third, just forget about it. Whenever it happens, it happens. Now you have to make a choice between one, two, three, what is to be done. This is a very, very simple example I'm giving you. But you have no idea how these things escalate into a bigger thing. And then it goes to your father didn't teach you this. Your mother didn't teach you this. Your grandmother did. I said it goes right to generations and generations on, a, I would not say a simple thing, but on a, on a, in my understanding, an insignificant thing where the wet towel should be forced about. Very brilliant example. What you said is, you know, small, small examples of irritability increase every single day. And then it becomes a catastrophe on one fine day. And that's, 
that's how you know very true very real time example but on the fact that you are saying this live in what exactly is living you stayed together for one day one week one month what does the court uphold okay so there are two three supreme court judgments and uh, uh, where um, they have defined what is a live in relationship mm. so obviously one night stand is not a live in relationship a weeks thing is not their relationship so the supreme court in a couple of its judgments have said that a relationship which is akin to marriage as if they were married but they are not legally married is a legally acceptable living relationship okay so there now there is one small thing that also you need to understand what happens if i am a married woman okay not divorced and i live in with a man who is probably a bachelor now would that be a, a legally legally valid living relationship no because i as a woman cannot get remarried unless i have divorced so i as a woman legally cannot live with a man unless i am a divorcee or a divorced so law is not that it is giving you a permission to do what you want so that moral fiber gets vitiated adultery and extramarital relationships get a legal sanction no that's not what the intent of the law is but the intent of the law is to protect the wishes of the people who want to be in a relationship in a given format but without without sort of shaking the the social legal and the moral fiber of the society so that's how is a ring and as the second question with regards to the prenup that you asked me So this was something unheard of in the Indian society I'm sure if you, if you ask your parents so you know they say I mean what agreement I mean kunli dekhte hain ye agreement nahi karte that's the way they put it So this obviously the western concept it's a very it's a very west coast california concept that is coming from the hollywood etc uh but today the need of the hour is there in our indian society also if i may say so for a prenuptial agreement for those of us those of oh, the the audience who are completely not aware of what prenuptial agreement is i'll just take a second to say an agreement entered into the couple the intending couple who who intends to get married about the terms and conditions of how their marriage relationship be and also about how in the event the relationship goes south the distribution of the assets the distribution of the rights and responsibilities if there are children and so on and so forth is captured in a document signed by both the parties voluntarily prior to the marriage and it is expected that they will follow the the, the agreement which is there and god forbid the relationship gets into a divorce then they expect that the party should be without any acrimony without any fights on the terms that have been agreed upon in a prenup agreement but this prenup it's a valid document in the court of law the pre prenup agreement no, so i'm coming to that i'm just coming to that so as we speak the indian courts have uh, sorry the indian not courts the indian legislation has still not given it a legislative sanction okay but to be very honest with you and uh, with, with the audience here there are people who approach me and i'm sure there are people who approach other lawyers also asking for a prenup to be done so what we do is we tell them that see this is not 
this is an agreement between the two of you. I can help you to draw up that agreement, something like a memorandum of understanding. So you agree on what your things are. In overseas, you know, uh, you are in a prenup. You are supposed to give a, a disclosure of your financials also. You have to put an affidavit that I own blah blah blah. blah. These are the assets that I own. I have my interest in this, etc. For the financial part of it, here we don't need to get it because this is not a formal document. And then we say that tomorrow, God forbid, you'll go to a court of law. Though this is not an executable document like a sale deed of an apartment or something, but the courts will surely look into it. That 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 is what the intent of the parties. In so-called normal happy times, that they, they if they parted, they agreed to do that. So that's the, the 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 best I can put it the validity in the Indian scenario. Now, now tell me, ma'am, uh, agreed. You know, which 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 are some of those cases which have really kind of uh, impressed upon you? You know, a lot lot of times that you see in such interesting cases. Also, I wanted to ask you the moral dilemma that you might face as a professional. You see, you're representing, say, by the husband, and you know that he is wrong. Would you still take that case? How how difficult it is as a moral dilemma to take a particular case when, you know, despite you not being convinced about a case, does that happen in your life? So this is like asking a criminal lawyer, why would you why would you uh, represent somebody who's murdered or somebody who's a rapist? Hmm. Why would someone like the government give? Even Mr. Kassab, a lawyer, to when there was an open act of ter uh, terrorism that was there in front of, so the rule of law is there that every party has to be heard, every party has to be done. But to answer your question, that if a husband came to me and if I, and he, if he came and he said that, listen, ma'am, I would, and there are very, 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 I mean, a lot of them who come and say, listen, ma'am, I am, my wife is not bad, okay, my wife is not bad. I'm just out of love. These are the statements I heard. Okay, I I have found my interest in somebody else, and I feel I want to move on. Okay, my wife is not allowing me. She knows about it. She's created a scene, obviously, whatever, whatever has happened. She's not interested. She said, "I will die, but will not give you divorce because I will not let you walk over me and go and stay with somebody else." It, but I can't live with her because then I am going to be miserable. And if I'm miserable, I'm going to make the whole family miserable. What are you supposed to do? So this is a dilemma which really comes. There is something what he's done which is morally wrong. No, 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 no question about it. But he has done something because he was honest to himself. Now, if he's being honest to himself, I'm not justifying either of the act. Okay, I'm just giving you a factual position. So I'm not taking sides whether what he's done is morally right, morally immoral. He has felt that he's out of love. Now, can you and I control somebody's feelings? No, you can't. Okay, I feel I've, I'm out of love. Some people may suffer, continue to be there. Some people may seek an option. Now, what is right? What is wrong? I'm not a judge to decide. But the only thing that I, as a lawyer, and I do this meticulously and to the best of my ability, is that if you cannot provide your wife with love and comfort and security, which she was looking for, at least give her the financial security. So that she's not dependent on anything, because at the end of the day, I mean, you can do everything, but if you have no money, then it becomes a very. So I use my good offices to a lot, uh, in a lot of cases, to prevail upon my own client. That sometimes the client says, "Ma'am, are you representing me or her?" Even if it's other way around, if it's a wife who's there, are you representing me or the other side? I said, "No, I'm not representing the other side. I'm trying to tell you that if you have to get out of this in a graceful manner." What you have done, I don't know whether you are right or wrong. 
but this is the best that you can do and at least add some grace to the party if you can't to the living together very interesting very 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 important moral dilemma now comes the question of alimony how is this particular thing decided you know such a ignorant stupid question it might look at but how how are things decided like that you know actually some of the judges also don't know how to decide alimony what <laughs> the reason being there that we do not have a very strict formula which is there the, the courts take various things into consideration so the factors are income of the husband income of the wife if any the lifestyle led by the parties and i'll give you an example of this so it will be a little more interesting the lifestyle led by the parties uh, during the period of their uh, you know living together uh the social status that they belong to you know uh, the kind of stuff which is there and in uh, in, in quite a few cases the number of years invested in the relationship so we have say a two year marriage a five year marriage and a 25 year old marriage so obviously the terms of alimony things which are there because because then there is a concept where you build up certain assets together you contribute it now the question here that arises is that what happens in a situation where both the parties of the i'll give you a business family example there's a business family very well to do family the, the the son is paid 1 lakh rupees per month for the company who is a director or whatever his position is but they live in a very in a very um, you know in a very luxurious place the lifestyle is that two, two holidays overseas and two holidays domestic and great lifestyle etc so the wife is used to this kind of a lifestyle say for the next 10 years and they go to a court of law and they ask the husband yes what is he say i want only 1 lakh rupees i mean i can't give her the crores of rupees that she is asking for then the court say what about all this that you have led i mean i mean you have documentary evidence photos videos etc that you have done yeah but i was staying with my parents this so is the lifestyle that the wife has enjoyed in a given case of 8 years or 10 years is that which is provided by the in-laws or the family business but when it comes to a court of law is only the husband's income so how does the judge decide alimony on the income which is what he's supposed to decide as per the law or the lifestyle but is that the lifestyle where the husband can afford that lifestyle or is it a borrowed lifestyle so i mean there are a whole lot of questions which come up and that is why it become very difficult for the court to come out with a straight jacket formula because in india unfortunately we do not have the concept of proportionate and equitable distribution of the marital assets in overseas if you see that what assets you have in most of the let's say let's take us some of the states not all not the eastern part but on the west and the texas and all whatever assets you acquire post the marriage those assets have and the liability it's not only the assets even the liability of loans etc have to be distributed equally by between the two parties here that's not still the case some of the women and and we this is what the fight is do have to struggle to get decent amount of alimony to be able to survive so difficult to answer what could be a perfect or the correct alimony optimum alimony in that sense of the word that leads me to a very interesting question how in the world did you choose this career you know there are always some examples why you choose this and why why some personal experience people have had and they've taken up psychiatry or you know ophthalmology i'm an ophthalmologist and some grandfather lost an eye and so they took up ophthalmology what made you interest get interest in this particular branch of law the truth yes and the only this yes the truth and the only truth is for which i have to give a little background yeah that 
my kids when they were born i've taken a sabbatical for 15 to 16 years hmm. and this sabbatical was taken by me voluntarily as you are aware my husband is a surgeon an extremely busy professional come from a family of academicians and all working people but did not want to compromise on the raising of my children so i took a sabbatical for 15 16 years by the time my children started going to regular school from 9 to 3 and days to come back that's when i started working and i was living in bandra i i'm still i still reside in bandra and the family courts were just at the bkc which is 5 minutes drive or not even drive yeah 5 minutes drive from my place when i started to take up law i said if i have to go back. and earlier i was working in the high court i was doing a lot of service matters writ matters constitution matters also uh, prior to my delivery i said if i go there i have to commute from bandra etc etc i said let me try it here and believe you me that is the reason and the only reason because i wanted to concentrate on my kids and i wanted to not make them sort of you know leave with the servants and nannies and things like that but wanted to be personally there and it's such a satisfying thing that today both my kids by the grace of god and their hard work are in their own respective way absolutely brilliant professionals with a lot of integrity and strength of character. Oh, congratulations. Very, very brave answer. Very brilliant to the point. You know, the the law of default, which which I have kind of made in my I, life. I think you can say that. That's a correct way of putting it. It's law yes. of default. By the way, interestingly, I have copyrighted this law in the world called the law of default. Oh, how nice. <laughs> You're born out of no choice. You will die out of no choice. You could not choose your parents. You could not choose the color of your country. You could not choose where you were born. You could not choose almost nothing. Your blood group. You couldn't choose anything. Most things happen in life by. You just proved one more point in my life that most things happen in life by default. You know, most President Obama wouldn't have become a president with a black guy, but still Bush goofed up and how he became. It's a very interesting concept, and you just helped me get my law a little more stronger. <laughs> That's lovely. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let me ask you something from the male's perspective. How is it that a uh, lot of times I've heard that women, you know, a lot of females put up a case and because the law is basically biased against men and more for women and can it it can be misused pretty badly abuse uh, dowry and would you like to say a little more word about that because the law is biased and with the present generation somebody wants to be vindictive it could be a very dangerous thing for the man so for that you have to go a little into the history also it's just not what it is in 2020 or 2021 historically etymologically socially you have seen and this is not about pro women i'm talking about i'm i i am i'm being very very balanced in my in my statements and my thinking that there has been a lot of gap difference between the man and the woman the women had to be really raised to that level to be really to have your article 14 and 15 of the constitution of equality to be meaningful the status of the women had to be raised whether it was education empowering them with education with laws with other such means which was there there were women who were subjected to extreme cases of violence you know left at the mercy of everything and that is why the laws were made are you aware of the number of dowry cases that are happening even today in the north of india even today you see punjab you see bihar you see up you are having so many cases which are there ma'am in bombay there is dowry but yeah i'm i'm talking i'm not coming about bombay a little later and today if there is no strict law i come to your answer misuse of law of course i will come to that because i want to answer that also 
But if these are the things which are happening in society, the only fear that the that the, that the, that can be put into them is the fear of law and the fear of imprisonment and the fear of being sort of you know having a criminal case against them. Now today it started with that, and that is why there was legislation which is a dowry prohibition act. There was legislation where there was harassment to the woman, which was done at the places at the uh, at, at her home, which is physical, mental, for dowry demands or for any other reasons which was there, and. Even at the workplace, there were cases where women were treated was objectified. They were just uh, sort of you know so uh, sexually colored remarks passed, leave teasing, etc. Isn't that in the society? Of course, it is there. Is there even today? So that is why the laws were made to empower the women, to strengthen the women, and to give them an equitable position. But there were certain, and there were no, there are, and I'm saying this in a very positive manner, positive in the sense. Not constructively positive, but in that sense of the word, that there are still today cases where ten percent to fifteen percent of the women are the ones who are misusing and abusing the law, and this I'm saying it. I'm making a very very responsible statement, and these are the women who are the haves and not the have-nots. Absolutely. Please bear that in mind. It is right. not a poor woman. A poor, a, a maid servant of mine who was probably beaten up by her husband because he's an alcoholic, or he, as you gave some example, you know, of that maid yeah, yeah. who was getting pastries and didn't come. That poor woman will not, will 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 be afraid of going to a court or to a police. She says, "No, who our husband is, who our son is, I will go They will think ten times, and they will they will suffer, which is not good, but that is what they'll do. So these are the haves. And these are the haves who are misusing. I don't. I cannot take ten crores as alimony. I want twenty crores. You don't give me. I file a police complaint. This is where the abuse comes. This is where abusing the law and giving it a bad name to the law comes. When the law, the hallowed provisions of the law, is for the larger good of the women who are really abused and you know thrashed and killed at times. You have female infanticide. You have feticide. So many of the cases you've seen. But so the law is doing to uphold their social status. But we—that is why I say we as women, as much as the law protects us, we have to be very responsible, and we have to behave with a lot of responsibility and sensibility, and not let it have a bad name to what the things are. Genuine cases, yes. You will be surprised when people come to me and they are, and you know, they, I have quite a few who come in this category also, and I'm very, very clear in my mind that you know, you have to give us justice. I said, what is justice? Justice is not something getting you extra crores. Justice is fair, balanced things which are there, and I and you can, I mean, I can say it with a lot of, I would not ever recommend a police case or a criminal complaint unless it's an extreme situation. I never ever advise that go to court, teach him a lesson, and then he will come around. I'm not here to teach lesson. I'm here to help you out, take the help of the courts to give you what probably we may call it justice. So yes, there is an abuse. Yes, there is a fear in the mind of a lot of men, husbands, etc., which is there. Some women are also creating that reign of terror in the house. That if you do this, then I'll call the police and I'll say ki ye karta hai, wo karta hai, and all that. And nobody wants to get because your image is there and your reputation is there, and you don't want to do it. But there are bad apples and good apples. But that doesn't mean that we can't have good apples because of the bad apples. 
Agreed, agreed. But you do agree. You said very nicely, and you were very. It's the haves who are creating trouble because the demands. Yeah, yeah. Not the Absolutely. poor one who need the law. My words. I'll never mince my words. I have seen so many uh, middle class professionals or working people, those who are unhappy and they're earning. I don't want alimony. I don't want anything from him. Just give me my divorce. Let me just go ahead. They may fight for the child as a mother, or they may they may take this and no, he must provide for that. But they are not here to grab, grab, grab and. You know things which are there. That's why I said you need to greed. be responsible, and that is why I always tell in, in in a lot of my speeches also that when you say when you are empowering your daughter or your girl child which is there, you must do that with education, of course. You must do that providing everything, but also some initial finance should be there for her, so that tomorrow if she is in a in a in a relationship which is abusive or something, she has the grace and the dignity to walk out. Now, how much you invest is all depends on how much what your category. You may invest hundred or thousand of lakh or a crore. That's I'm not on the numbers. I'm just on the concept that don't spend ten lakhs on a wedding. Spend three lakhs. Give her that seven lakhs. That's the equation that parents have to keep in mind. So now I realize, ma'am, both your children have taken you as a role model, and have they become they have become solicitors and lawyers. None of them became a general surgeon. Your poor, hardworking husband became a general surgeon. Yes, uh, my daughter had a lot of inclination for biology, and my my husband was very very keen that she becomes, uh, she takes up, I guess. But I prevailed. I don't know. I have not. <laughs> I will not commit to anything. But uh, yeah, they they both ended up. Uh, my son was never interested, but my daughter was showing some signs of. She was good in bio and all that stuff. I'm sure they must have tried to argue with you, and they could never have a chance in this lifetime to win any argument. No, so I never argued with them. I <laughs> I told them this is what it is, and you will have to choose what it, because we gave them all the freedom and things like that to choose. Ultimately, maybe they they, and you know something. Uh, it's also the trend change that the lawyers became more recognized as things. No, I'm kidding. I mean, basically, that's a great lawyer, no? Who doesn't say that I'm give defending any case? Just gives the facts such a nice platter that they don't have a choice. <laughs> Tell me about these NRIs, ma'am. Something very important. You know, some of these Indian poor females get married. They have yeah. no idea about what the husband is doing, and quite a few cases that are reported. What kind of law and jurisdiction is there in the U.S. or the U.K. or New Zealand, Australia? Does it still the Hindu law? You know, you went to all these courts there, so I, I would just like to understand that. Sure. So, so what the thing is that this is a new concept which came up in the NRI marriages. Because men used to be working overseas, but they came from Indian origin, and they they would get married in India, register their marriage. Some of them would apply for the visas, for the spousal visa, etc. Some of them would not do that, and maybe the distance or maybe any other temptation, and they would file for divorce over there. So this all started in the seventies, I would say. So the majority of the cases I'm talking about, so there were landmark cases from the in the year seventies onward in the Supreme Court. The law of the land is that you get your divorce, the act under which you got married. So, if the parties have got married under the Hindu Marriage Act, for example, and which is why I go there as an expert to give this opinion, if they got married under the Hindu Marriage Act, then they are supposed to dissolve their marriage under the Hindu Marriage Act, unless both the parties jointly decide to contest. Ah, uh, sorry, to um, uh, sort of you know submit to the jurisdiction of a foreign court, which is there. For a mutual consent divorce, the reason being, Indian laws of divorce. If you if you uh, know, so there is a mutual consent divorce and there is a fault divorce. Mutual consent where both agrees, and if fault divorces, one of the parties is guilty of a matrimonial wrong, 
which could be cruelty, which could be adultery, which could be any of the wrongs which are there. But under the Indian law, there is no such concept of breakdown of marriage. Now, since we don't have a breakdown of marriage or irreconcilable differences, unless both the parties agree, the, it is difficult to get a divorce. Overseas, divorce, you just have to say that I want a divorce. No courts are going to refuse divorce to you. They may contest, the, the, the courts may agitate or, or, or adjudicate upon custody of the children, the maintenance or the alimony or child support, etc., which could be a contested issue. But nobody, no courts are refusing divorce. But in India, I have, and even today I have a case and I, and I say that without, of course, I'm not going to name the parties. Parties got married in December 2001. They separated in December, January 2002. Till date, the husband has not got a divorce. 19 years. The young man who came to me for a law as a client is now closer to his 50s. And the courts have said, you've not proved your divorce. But my wife has left me and gone. The wife said, I don't want to give him a divorce. I left him because I didn't want to, because he threw me out. Now the question is, whoever you threw her out or you went on her own. Today, what a startling number of 19, 20 years in front of you. No child, no nothing, no financial expectation. She's doing very well financially. He's doing reasonably well financially. But she says, I don't want to give a divorce. And the courts are saying, sorry, buddy, you've not proved your divorce. There's no cruelty that she has perpetrated on you. There's no desertion she has done on you. There's no adultery she has done on you. She doesn't want to give you a divorce. Stay married. So very interesting. What are the points on which you can get a divorce? It's cruelty, adultery? No, physical and mental cruelty. Then there is desertion. Now desertion is not just leaving away. If my, my wife has gone away, can I just file and say, that, oh, my wife has left me, now I want, she's deserted me. So desertion has to be for a period of two years prior to the filing of the petition. And in desertion, there are two aspects that you need to prove to the court. See how difficult it is in the Indian law. That the intention of, which is known as animal desert, uh, the intention of the parties to, de to desert. And secondly, the factum of separation. So these two things, now how do I prove that she had the intention? That is where the challenge comes up. Third ground is adultery. If there is an adultery in the marriage. Adultery earlier was a criminal offence, as you know, but now it has been decriminalised by the Supreme Court in the judgment, uh, 2018 judgment. The Supreme Court has decriminalised it. The fourth is mental health of this person, soundness, unsoundness. And then, then there are certain other things like, you know, some uh, sexually transmitted diseases and epilepsy, etc. These are the grounds. But the three main grounds which are normally taken up in the courts in a fall divorce is cruelty, physical or mental, and desertion and adultery. What is your opinion on this new thing now that the LGBT law has changed and same-sex marriages and LGBT? Why not? Why not? That is that is what it is. If pandemic Zoom is a new normal, that is a new normal. Today it was always a new normal. It was always a new. It was always a normal thing. It is we with our with our the way we think that has brought about this, and it's a taboo. Why were people hiding behind closed doors? Because why they would be they would be put behind bars? Because why they just prefer the same sex? But that's the way God has made them. If I get attracted to a man, that's the way God has made me. If I get attracted to the same sex, that's the way God has made me. Or these are my natural things. Who are you and I to decide it's criminal or uh, otherwise? I think this was the most horrendous thing that has happened to them. 
It's now that the Supreme Court has given them justice by, by decriminalizing Section 377. And we were following the archaic Indian Penal Code of 1860, the Victorian way of thinking what is right and wrong. And we never thought of thinking about all these things. I think we should all hang our heads in shame that we took so long to recognize it. And if a and, and if same-sex relationship is now decriminalized, it is normal. Why not same-sex marriages? Why not the same rights that come up? Why not the same protection for the partners in the same relationship? What's wrong? It's for them to decide. You and I can't be that doing be doing that. Brilliant, ma'am. I loved your stand which you've taken. Your body language, your stand, your language. Perfect. Great. Why shouldn't it have been there? It should have been there way back and if they're both Absolutely. right, that's the way they were made. They were made that way. The hormonal structure was like that and why not? Yes, yes. God thought it fit and if you respect God, we have to respect what he has made creations. Great, great ma'am. And as all good things have to come to an end, you know, the wonderful conversation here, but I would want to ask you two things before I leave. What advice for the high-profile family for a prenup, which is very common in the West, and a good message to the young people who are watching this that not everything is sar. There are a few random cases which happen. And what is it that they can do in their lifetime to save their ailing marriage or, you know, their doubts and their apprehensions? Because there is every every time there's going to be some turbulence. A small storm like what came day before yesterday in Bombay is going to happen. What is your message to them with your experience over the years? The first part of the questions for the for those families which come from, uh, you know, wealthy families and which also have the stark reality of marriages breaking two years, three years. And the natural, uh, what do I say, fear is what happens to the family when. Uh, I would highly recommend, though there is no such prenup, at least get into some kind of a memorandum of understanding between the intending couple, because that is a time when parties are signing it in a balanced, in a great state of mind. See, because you, we all know, it's a, it's a well-known fact, in anger, people do anything because there's no reason, there is no, it's just a reaction. But when things are there, they should do it, number one. Number two, when, when people come to me, for example, I'll give you, if a husband comes to me and says that I want to enter into a prenup, she's my wife, she's come with me, or, or to be wife, she's come with me and she's willing to do whatever it is. The first thing I say, if you have come to me, I would prepare the document based on what you are telling me. But I want your wife to go and take an independent legal opinion, irrespective of me. Let her be satisfied with all her concerns, etc. I'm willing to take this forward. But it should not happen that there is any kind of coercion or there is undue influence or the threat that if you don't sign, I will not get you married. Because then, as any other contract, that's not a valid contract. So this is something that I would also want to tell lawyers who are entering into this, that please be fair when you are doing it and not just what your client wants. Because ultimately, you're talking about a couple who wants to get into it. So prenup, I would highly recommend in the form of MOU that we have it. In fact, I was invited by the Women's Commission of New Delhi and uh, they have uh, to take my views on prenups and they have, they were taking off all the professionals and I have very highly recommended that probably because of the profile of the clients that come to me or whatever the reason may be or the reality that I see in the society. I think it will become the law very soon, but as good things take time, this will also take time. And secondly, for the newcomers, which is there, I think it's a cliche thing that, but let me tell you one thing, which is, it is, though we see a number of divorces rising, if you see from the world uh, status, 
number of divorces in India are much, 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 much lesser than what you see in the US, UK and other foreign countries. So we are one shade better in maintaining relationships than the, I mean, we are, we are the best, I would say so. The Indian culture, the Indian uh, the way of things which are there, much better than the Western part. And they are learning a lot from us, whether it's a yoga or whether how to work on a relationship or not to go for a divorce. So this percentage is small as compared to the global thing. But even that small percentage could be considered and diminished and brought down if we have only a we in a marriage. Let, can we do this? Not my way or the highway. That will help a lot. Ignoring, overlooking minor irritants, which I gave you the example of a wet towel thrown on the bed. And looking at a larger picture and ultimately everything, even like you say in your stocks, your sensing goes up and down, up and down. But it doesn't mean that you close your share portfolio, right? Because you're always optimistic. So that's kind of a thing that it will be there. Give a chance. Only if it's completely catastrophic in a relationship, even then, go to a counselor, see if you can iron out your differences. And going to lawyers and the courts should be the last, last resort. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am, so much for your time and your efforts. And without any hesitation for being with us, we would come to have a rejoinder because a lot of people like, like to ask you a lot of questions still. And very sweet of you to spare so much time, your insight, your knowledge, your frank, your real openness to answer most questions. And uh, all that is so very much appreciated.